1: The Ralph Reigns starts with a win and his successful four-triple-two formation. Bridgie and Tommy tell stories of the glory days in the Prem where footballers got free McDonald's every single day. And we check in with Christian Volpato, the young Aussie who made his debut in the Serie A. Wasn't good enough for Sydney and Wanderers, but was good enough for Jose Mourinho. Is that something to worry about? All that and plenty more coming up on the Pod. What's happening, football fans? Welcome to an international edition of the Gagan Pod. My special guests have jetted around the world and they've left me here in boring Sydney, Australia. I'm joined by Thomas Sorensen and Michael Bridges. Bridgie, you're joining me from the UK and got to some games on the weekend. You've had a decent week, haven't you?
2: We've had a fantastic week, Claude. It's been absolutely amazing. Uh, The only sad thing was when we landed, it was two days isolation. They changed the rules as we were flying into the UK. We got the COVID Test results, and then it has just been all systems go for the bridges family. As at St James's Park, watching Newcastle take on Burnley. I never thought I would enjoy watching Burnley. We abuse them all the time on the show or <laughs> give them enough grief. And then I went down to see my old Horton Ground in Elland Road and Leeds United getting a draw against Brentford. That was a, a classic game, and like you say, it's just been fantastic to go around the country, but at least you've got sunshine and a bit of warmth. I'm still climatizing to the northeast weather again because it's bloody freezing.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it, it has been quite nice out here. A bit rainy, but at least it's warm. I can't complain. Thomas, I was probably even colder over there in Denmark. How's life treating you back home?
3: Uh, again, yeah, we have to, uh, yeah, we have to wrap up. Like, Bridgie. got the fire going. Uh, just trying to stay warm. But and uh, great to see the family. You know, it, it's been two long years. I'm a little bit gutted. I was going to go to England uh, at the weekend and, and watch Leicester, Newcastle and uh, see Kasper Smeichel uh, and speak to him. But sadly, again, COVID has caught up with, uh, with me and I uh, have to stay in Denmark. But yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit jealous for Bridgie uh, going to all the football games. I, I really miss it, I must say. I'm just upset
2: you won't be saying, <laughs> oh, Danish friend when you meet your Casper <laughs> Smeichel. <laughs> to- Tommy, are they on a winter break there?
3: Yeah, so sadly the uh, the Danish Super League uh, finished last weekend, so uh, there's there's no football going on sadly. Mm. That's alright,
1: that's alright. Bridgie, we'll, we'll get to all the games and uh, we can live vicariously through him because he's absolutely living it up there in the Prem and bringing a little bit of luck to your former clubs as well. We'll get to that in a second, but for now yeah. we've got to kick off with the breaking news of the morning. There's a game going on at the moment, Arsenal taking on Everton, live from Goodison, it's into the second half now and we both we, we all said really that Everton was playing very well in the first half but still Martin Odegaard scored on the stroke of half-time Arsenal lead adding more misery onto Everton's season. Bridgie their football directors walked out during the week there's a lot of pressure on Rafa Benitez where is it going to be fixed at this club?
2: Oh, I honestly can't see where it is going to be fixed there um, you've hit the nail on the head that is the multi-million dollar question um the fans are disgruntled. Rafa hasn't won them over after he's, you know, what he achieved with Liverpool. It was always going to be a tough challenge. Uh Calvin Lewin has been out. That's been a massive loss for them. They haven't seemed to have that target man because he seemed to link up so well with charlesson over the few seasons that we've seen them doing well. Um it's, you know, the boy Gray as well, he has been fantastic this season, but apart from that they've had nothing really to shout about. And um I'll tell you what, they're gonna get sucked into a relegation battle. I can see it because I think the Newcastle have probably got the toughest games coming up mm. and that's why I thought that result against Burnley was huge to get them on 10 points level because they've got Man City, Man United, Liverpool and Leicester um, and then the teams in and around them, a lot of teams are playing each other but Everton, I can see them getting sucked in so huge pressure in this result so far 1-0 to Arsenal is not going to help them.
1: Tommy Marcel Brands has walked out midweek director of football as as someone that's played at at multiple football clubs. I think for the casual football fans sometimes they don't really understand the role and the difference between the director of football how how much of a say they have as opposed to the manager. How important is the director of football in your experience at Premier League clubs how do they call the shots really or or you know how is that power balance between them and the manager
3: you know i think if if they if obviously if they have the 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 right um you know what is a credibility or you know they, they come with the right uh, ideas runs you, on the board yeah and and you know they, they can make a, a huge impact because uh you know he's brand has come in obviously he was at PSV Eindhoven was very successful there and and you know thought he stepped into a role where he would have a big impact and I think that impact has slowly faded away and and I think the the Again, nail in the coffin was was Rafa Benitez, who's uh, you know very hands on, wants to control his own transfers, and I think it just came to a head where Moshiri, you know, he, the, the owner of Everton had to back one of them. Uh, I think Marshall Brands was, you know, he's just he, he was not doing anything in that role really. Um, you know, the the you know the impact was was gone, and I think Benitez, you, you look at you know even the. the Previous sort of hires with Ancelotti, uh, it, I think Brandt was not really, that was not the manager he wanted. Uh, he was more looking at, at Potter, I think, from, uh, you know, from uh, Brighton. And, and then, you know, I don't think he was in favor of Benitez as well. So, so you sort of been pushed out to one side. And, and uh, you know, in my experience, the clubs I've been at, if you want a, a strong cohesion in the club and you want, a, you know, a, a direction, you know, everyone needs to be on the same page. And, and um, yeah. you know, it, that hasn't been the case, especially after Benita's come in because, you know, he he, Tommy, almost, he, he wants to since, control it's it. It's
2: almost since Benitas has since come in, it's almost like he hasn't really had much to do. And at the end of the day, he's either got himself bored or he's realized that he's not going to have an impact. He's not getting on. Um, and Tommy mentioned that word cohesion. If you haven't got that, it can be a horrible environment to be in. You feel unwanted. You feel used and abused. Uh, and but when you do get the dynamics right and they do get the chemistry, it can work. But it's a it's a very fine balance. And you think, you know, I, I look back at when um, Sir Alex Ferguson had total control at Manchester United. Uh, Austin Wenger had total control at Arsenal. And then all these new, new magical jobs came, came into it as well to take a little bit of pressure off some of the managers. Some adapted it, some embraced to it, and some didn't. They still wanted the full control. So it's it's getting the dynamics in the um, right in the club, and it hasn't worked for Everton at all.
1: Well, they've just scored. Hey. <laughs> so keep, keep keep saying what you're saying because they've just scored. It's one one. What we got to <laughs> say, <that> the- Tommy? <laughs>
3: No, but I'm saying, that you know, he, he's also a bit, you know, he, it was also a tough job for him, uh, especially of late. You know, he, he had to control a, a huge weight package. He, he had to sort of get rid of players. But then on, on top of that, there was also players that were sanctioned uh, over his head. Like you're looking at uh, James Rodriguez, who came in on, on 200,000 pounds a week. And, and the rumor is that, that that was just on, you know, outside of his sort of ro- uh, uh, reign. And, and uh you know, this just makes it hard. Like you look at his, he's done. He's signed some good players, you know, Dakure, Ben Godfrey, Luke Castigne. You know, he's he's had some success. But then you can also look at other players that hasn't quite fit the mold. And I think he just leaves Everton a little bit, sort of, you know, some good, some bad. Uh, he didn't have the impact that you thought he would have with the credentials he, he came from PSV with. Uh, and the the club is just moving and as soon as yeah as soon as Maschiri starts I think he was on Talk Sport the, the owner and, and backed Benitez I, th- I think there was only one way that uh, that uh, Marcel Brandt uh, could go and, and I think there was also a, a video of him you know in a conversation with a fan at the weekend um, uh, and some things were said there that uh, you know do you think it's only the players uh, so he was indicating that there's issues behind the scenes you know and then when you start to bring that up as a director of football, I think uh, there's only one way that's that's out of the door, I think.
1: Well, I think uh, Everton fans will hope that Bridget keeps talking and Tom doesn't talk much because the goal's <laughs> being actually chalked off. VAR got involved and they've actually it's taken the second, goal away.
2: That's the it's second one. Charleston's second disallowed goal for this yeah. game. Can I just say one thing, though? Up to sport listeners that listen to the Gagan pod, Claude's in Australia, he's telling us about the goal, he's telling us about the VR decision... <laughs> I'm a minute behind, and I'm in England, so I don't know how <laughs> the hell the are doing it. That is fantastic.
3: We I'm, take it I'm for granted. I'm
2: here at the heart and soul of English football, and you're getting it live, and I'm not.
1: <laughs> we take it for granted how good we have it here at Optus. 380 games live, and we get it before the Brits as well. How good. But that's just story of Everton's season, so it's 1-0 Arsenal again as it stands. They're only a few points outside the relegation zone, and they've played one game more than Burnley as well. Another director of football turned manager again, Ralph Ranick has made his uh, start to his reign at Manchester United. There was a lot spoken about it. It was a 1-0 win against Palace. I don't think it was the most exciting win ever, but gentlemen, I think I'm right in saying you could see a clear change of system. Mm. And he's only had one day in charge. Bridget, you were saying that the English uh, press and and Monday Night Football was all over this tactical change. How much of an impact did Ralph have on that Man United team?
2: Yeah, I think Ralph's had an impact in... in, It hasn't just been one day. I think he's had a little close line into that football club for three or four days. Michael Carrick obviously was was in charge. There was a few things getting done. He'll have been in touch with Ralph and he'll have been kind of putting some instructions down. But what, what's been the big talk over here? Jamie Carragher and um, Gary Neville were doing a great document, uh, a great uh, analysis session of the way that he set up with a 4-2-2. And if anybody in Australia has seen the way Sydney AFC play, very similar. Um, they try to do something a little bit more narrow with um, Ninkovic in behind the front two, or he goes and joins in. So what they were basically saying is that it was nice to see Fernandez and Sancho just tucking in very, very narrow as it playing as two tens behind Ronaldo and um, Rashford. So, and, and they also the Fred alongside McTominay was very narrow as well, and they were saying the width was in the wide areas. Uh, and it all came from trying to make that midfield as tight and as compact as possible defensively. So when they lost it, they had the box defensively. And they were looking at the counter um, how when they won it and what they were trying to do. And they just showed the dynamics very similar to what he'd done at, um, with Dortmund. And the other thing that they showed is all the stats. You said it wasn't the most exciting game. The first clean sheet in how many games, by the way? Long time. Long time <laughs> 16, there you go. And the other, all the other stats were through the roof, so it was all those you know, they're almost at 1.6 con, conceding 1.6 goals a game. That was down to like 0. 0.6. Um, the pass and the passing stats were up, the tackles won. The thing that they didn't have, which is interesting, they didn't have um, as many kilometres and distances covered. Mm. They said that it was going to be a more private, like the, um, the Gagan you know, the clock press, the gigging press, and they didn't go as intense because they were doing less running, but they were far more organized rather than running around like heads as chickens in the previous games. So I thought that was a huge one. They were doing the running based on when they needed to and when not to. So he's had a he's had a major impact and he's had a huge impact early on, which is very, very satisfying for United fans and people that look at the game outside of it.
1: Tommy, one official session that he was in charge, I wanted to know from your days of playing whether a manager can have that much of a significant impact on day one and how important first impressions are. Did you ever have a manager come in and anyone lost the manager straight away or has the manager lost the team on day one? Have you ever experienced that?
3: I would say mostly the managers have, have won the changing room. I think uh, there's always a, a, there's a different dynamic when you get a new manager. You know, everyone is on their best behavior. Everyone wants to make an impression. Uh, They always do what they're told. uh, And, uh, you know, it's sort of, it's a change of, yeah, the dynamics of the team. Uh, And I think we could see that with United, uh, for sure. You know, there there was just a different atmosphere, different attitude. uh, you know, even you saw Ronaldo buying in the, the the amount of running he was doing because that was one of the big question marks. Would he do that? Um, can he do it for a whole season? Uh, we'll see. But uh, for that game, I think he he de- he definitely led from the front. Um, looking at managers, uh, I think we brought it up here on uh, on the Gagan pod, but uh, when I was at Sunderland, uh, Peter Reid got sacked and uh, Howard Wilkinson came in. <laughs> uh, you know, a manager who's actually... <laughs> Uh, who's been take caretaker for England? Uh, so he came with a lot of respect from the players. I remember, you know, everyone was excited uh, for a change, and we he got us all in the dressing room and he said, you know what, lads, this needs to change. You know, we need a change of attitude. And then he put on a video, and I think we talked about it of geese flying. And then uh, <laughs> I looked around. Uh, I looked around oh, the dressing hang room. On, hang on Tommy. Yes. Hang on. He, he, <laughs> he actually asked
2: the players. He asked the players a question: Who is the best? Who's the best team in the world? And the yeah, lads yeah. were going Real Madrid. But he said no, yeah. Well Barcelona, no, Man United, no. Yous are all wrong. It's these geese. <laughs> what?
3: Yeah, no. Brilliant. He he came with a lot of good ideas, but uh, nah, he lost the dressing room, and sadly, he was out. I think he, I think he only lasted uh, a couple of months, and then uh, Mark Tommy, Mc- Mike McCarthy. You, came do you do you think
2: it was? Do you think it was his?
3: But obviously, you were there fully hands-on with him.
2: Was it not more so the guy Cottrell that came with him? I heard that not many of the boys got on with the guy
3: Cottrell. Oh, yeah. Team, you know, the you know, managers, they come with as a package. And, and uh, you know, they tend to, you know, some players, you know, and this was a sort of a good good cop, bad cop. And, you know, Cottrell was the, the guy that shouted in the dressing room, but he shouted a bit too much. You know, sometimes you got to say things at the right time. If you're just loud all the time and and scream and shout at every half-time and every full-time, people sort of eventually get off, you know, just go off it. And I think that's what happened. And Howard Wilkinson didn't have the authority. Um, you know, but definitely looking at radnik I, I think he, he looks to be a, a guy that you fully respect. He comes with, obviously, you know, as the godfather of the Gagan press. And I think you could see that from the United players uh, the weekend that... Uh, they had listened to what he had said, uh, they had bought in, um, and uh, yeah, there was a massive change. Uh, probably still a lot of issues to sort out, you could see that. I still, you know, the balance in midfield uh, between attacking and, you know, the transition, I think is still a weakness with McTominay and, and Fred, but yeah, a clean sheet is a huge step forward, I think, for United, um, for sure.
1: And uh Bridgie, Peter Reed gets brought up again. I almost feel like I feel like I know this guy personally because you guys always bring him up. Whenever <laughs> I ask something ridiculous about a manager, there's a constant name that comes up. So I'm starting to pick up uh I'm starting to pick up the trend. But to talk more because about I you-
2: was I was just with it. I was just with him the other night. We had a great reunion, myself, Kevin Ball, Kevin Phillips. And I just to give you another insight into Reedy, really, I met him at 6 p.m. We were gonna do a show. A live show to all the Newcastle and Sonnen fans in the region. He had a bottle of red wine in his hand at 6pm uh, and he still had a bottle of red wine. It wasn't the same one at 3am. He, he was on fire, mate. The funniest man he'll ever meet. And yeah, it was just, just great to see him again.
1: But um, Back on United, uh, we mentioned some of the players that, that you've said. Fred is under the microscope. He's really stepped up, though, in recent weeks and he did score the winner, McTominay. Who else do you think is under the microscope here for Man United? And under the new system, who could be shafted to the side, Bridgie?
2: Oh man, it's a very, very interesting question. I think the you know the one that you've got to look at, Fred, is because of um, the games that he has had. I think he's been very lackluster over the over that time. I think Sancho is going to step up to the mark because if you think what he's doing in the Dortmund system, uh, I think Sancho's going to have a new lease of life. That's one guy that I think is safe. Um, as houses, uh, Fernandez has been absolutely magnificent. Maguire is going to. I think he's going to be a catalyst for him come under a lot of stick but I think he's going to have the, the backing uh, for me it's the, the fullback areas I think there's I think that's where they need to the two fullbacks whether it's Wambis or Shaw that obviously didn't play in this one there was Dilat and Tellis in there for this system I think that's where they've got to get the dynamics right because if you are playing so narrow as they do with that new 2-2-2 two, 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 this is where your fullbacks now are very very crucial and got to have that understanding of when to go and when not to go and I think Ralph will be working and he'll he'll know exactly what he wants with the ball, without the ball, in all the transition moments and um, it's up to them players to take that information on board from him and if they don't get it and they're not educating themselves and he can't get his message across, they won't play. So um, I think Luke Shaw are the massively are the two that I would be um, seeing under the spotlight.
1: Tommy, I think there were a lot of question marks about whether Cristiano Ronaldo will fit this pressing system, and I think early on, Ralph has come out in front of the media and and, and basically showed everyone, reiterated the fact that he wants Cristiano Ronaldo involved, how could you not? Um, He's partnered now with Rashford up top to maybe alleviate some of that pressing duties, and he said he's by far the fittest player in his 30s that he's ever managed. Have you ever, it got me thinking about that that mentality that Cristiano Ronaldo has, because he's getting ridiculous, I mean, there's all these scans coming out saying he's got the body of a 23-year-old. Have you ever played with any players that just were Different mentally, they kept that work ethic deep into their thirties, or they just had some physical prowess that was just different to anyone else. Because I feel like you have to have a bit of a screw loose to keep your career <laughs> going and stay that fit at that age. What do you think?
3: No, I don't think it's a screw loose. I think it's just that con- constant motivation. I think you know that's where you know just never let up, just a constant grind. Uh, and it, and it is a constant grind to stay at that level. You know, there, there's no. Nothing is giving to you, uh, and, and you know. I think if you went behind the scenes, and I think some of the the, the films have shown with Ronaldo that you know he's just all about work, twenty four seven. I played with two players at Stoke. One was Robert Hooth and uh, the other th- was Jonathan Walters, uh, Irish international. Uh, you know, they were always, they were first in, always in the gym and I always, they always made me feel bad. You know, just you just got those players that, you know, <laughs> when you walk in the, in, in the training ground, you see them in the gym doing all sorts of exercises. Uh, and then, you know, you hear that, you know, they left at five o'clock and, you know, you know, did swimming sessions and all sorts. Of, and you could see it in games, you know, they were just beasts. You know, they ran from the first minute to the last. Uh, so it's just, a, you know, you, you, you get in what uh, like what you put in, that's where you get out. And, you know, that's what you see with Ronaldo. So, you know, I, I think he, he can manage to play in this system. Uh, and I think Raniuk is, has done the right thing of, of, of backing him, for sure. Yeah, Robert Hooke. I was Hood. say, I just had a similar
2: scan to um, Ronaldo the other day as well. I got, my, <laughs> I got my scan results back and I'm 42 and it actually came back that I was 55. <laughs> so it's um, something, you know, we've, we've got a very similar um, age difference, but mine goes the other way.
1: <laughs> yeah, no surprises there. Uh, but I love that you mentioned Robert Hooth because he was he was brilliant in that title-winning season with Leicester. Late in his career as well, played every single game. So I guess it does show you put in that work and you're going to get it out. Bridgie, any fitness freaks that you played with that just stood out?
2: I'm going to give myself a massive rap here, Claude. I'm going to tell you. Tommy, might back is up that it was me and Mickey Greer were the two fittest. We'd always win the long-distance run at Sunderland. It was something that I always just pride myself on. I was I was blessed with a good set of lungs. Um, I could run and I always just come back to pre season looking after myself. I went to Leeds United um, and there was a player there that just disbelief in all logic. Put your nutrition out the window because he lived on McDonald's. Um, put your, um, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd smoke 30 bongers a day and he loved the Budweiser and it was Lee Bowyer. It, it was unbelievable. He was just a fitness freak. He could run all day long. Um, And what I loved about being at Leeds United was that was myself. um, Danny Mills was another machine. He could run all day long. Um, Lee Boyer, Dominic Matteo uh, and Harry Kuehl was fit as well. So we had a really, really good um, challenging squad pre-season. Everybody had that winning mentality and we all tried to outdo each other. And um, until I got the injuries, obviously, that, that's when it set me back. I, I kind of lost a lot of that fitness and sharpness. But it's one thing I used to pride myself on, Claude. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly enough, I was, I was an, a very, very good athlete. The,
1: the Macca's gold
3: card, that was a thing, right? Oh, whoa, 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 yes. Yeah, genuinely. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: That was a thing. Oh, yeah. Tommy, you would
3: have got one as well, didn't oh, you? Oh, up at Sunderland. We had, a, we had a Macca's gold card. Gave you one free meal a day. So you know, like oh. that was the, that was the Premier League back in the day. <laughs> they, they were one of Don't the title worry. sponsors, and and you know I, I remember using it from time to time. But I know for a fact that there were some of the young players. They lived on that card. They they, they uh, were they I were they loved- were through the drive through every single day. And, was it you, Bridgie? <laughs> was it you, <laughs> Tommy?
2: Tommy, I've literally just driven through Leeds from Ellen Road to where I used to live in Weatherby and I'm showing the kids. All the places where I used to go, and honestly, the big McDonald's on the roundabout was there. And I told the kids the story that Dad used to live in that place with his <laughs> McDonald's gold card. they were like, "What? How cool!" But it wasn't so good, good for the waistline. That no. was the only thing that I let myself down with. Oh, what happened to football?
1: They were the simpler <laughs> times in English football. Absolutely love it.
2: But what was your celebration?
1: What was your go-to celebration back in the day, Bridgie?
2: I didn't have one you know I just you know used what? to go just do different random things but I'd, the McDonald's one was funny because when I got my gold card taken off me mm. I've said this on the game pod if, uh, in the past um, w- before your time mm. I actually got it confiscated because my body fat went up so when mm. we played Leicester I scored a goal against Air, uh, sorry Middlesbrough I scored a goal against Swartsey and I ran off doing the burger celebration yeah and I, and I give it that to the manager and the staff to say it doesn't matter what I'm eating because I've scored a goal. <laughs> and um, I got my goal card back on the Monday, so I was delighted. So. But I, I didn't have a go-to one, mate. Um, yeah, it was just whatever happened at that moment.
1: That's a safe one because I always think about players that do crazy flips. You know, we we saw some throwback moments from Robbie Keane as well recently. But Cristiano Ronaldo, I don't know if you've seen this, but he's in doubt for the next match. He's in doubt for their Champions League clash midweek because of his Sue celebration midweek. He potentially did a little bit of damage in the knee. So I think 36 years of age is starting to catch up with him. He's got to read. Have you you read that? I've.
2: I've got, I didn't, but I'll tell you what I did love. It, actually, the, the whole crowd at, at Old Trafford now are doing it with him. Yeah. So when he jumps and he lands, and you just hear hear the whole crowd do it, that for me, uh, even that gets my kids excited. Yeah, brilliant
1: brilliant from them I mean we'll be watching it very closely now to see the Ralph Rain of course it's not only for this season he'll become director of football after that so it's exciting time for Man United fans we're going to go for a quick trip around the rest of the UK Tommy Chelsea slipped a third in one week that's how close this title race is with a loss away at West Ham but you can take nothing away from West Ham they've done it to big teams already on several occasions this season I want to ask you though as a goalkeeper is that a cross or a shot and secondly should the keeper be doing better for that winner?
3: (laughs) Ah, uh, uh, for me, it, it was certainly a, a, a cross. I, I think he uh, he looked a little bit surprised uh, himself. Uh, you know, again, fair play. I think it's, um, you know, you, you, you have to sometimes knock it in there with pace and, and you never know what's going to happen. And and it sort of had a little movement in the air as well and, and caught Mendy out. Uh, but I think it was just that Chelsea, that was Chelsea's day, you know, started from... You know, from the first goal, I think uh, you know, Jorginho and, and Mendy didn't look great, and uh, it, it just had it coming for them. I think you know, the the again we've talked about West Ham and their spirit and and how they fight on. Um, it, it was just uh, Bowen as well, another cracker from him. You know, he you know came up trumps uh, again with a great assist and and a great goal. So. You know, West Ham, I think it's proven that West Ham are there to stay. I think, you know, they're they're proven to be as good as advertised. And I don't think they're going to drift away uh, this season. I think they're they're going to challenge for that top four all the way to the end. I think they've proven enough to me, at least, to to warrant that uh, credit.
1: Bridgie, Chelsea conceding three goals in that one. I guess there's been a lot of question marks over when Kante and Kovacic aren't in that midfield and it's left with Jorginho and Loftus-Cheek. Yeah. It looks a little bit weaker than usual. Uh, any any cause for concern for Chelsea fans or is just a small beat, smi- uh, speed bump in their season?
2: I know you want me to say it's a small speed bump, mate, and there's going to be no issue and keep you happy. But yeah, I, th- I think it was. Like you say, the imbalance in that midfield, I did think the dynamics had gone. Um, it did look a little bit weakened. Um, and a bit fragile but it was their own undoing so yeah. that's fixable yeah. you know it's not and, and it was a bit of a fluke goal so I, I, when I put my coaches head on and I look at that they're things that could have been prevented and they'll be working on that to prevent it because you don't want to change the style of play mm. they've just got to say, you know we, we, the, these things are going to happen and then that last one like Tommy said the the cross come shot. I saw Harry <laughs> Kuehl score one of them for Leeds against Everton uh, and the difference with Harry, he, he claimed that he went for it and I know for a fact he was trying to find me at the back post and he just fluked the shot that went in over um, Gerard. it was unbelievable. So yeah, that, that, that things can be fixed mate and I think Chelsea um, will be back on track next week.
0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
1: we had a few corners going around europe as well a few players this weekend scoring off a corner in the italian A. it happened twice actually Charnogli and Quadrado. so you just never know cross shot doesn't matter Is as long as right? it's in the yeah Two this yeah. weekend. Oh, I didn't and see it, them.
3: Yeah, and in his uh, Cellan, he nearly scored in the second one. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. Patricia had to save a second one because the first one went through his legs and, then, and it nearly scored again <laughs> on the exact same setup.
1: <laughs> They're definitely going for it. Uh, Tommy, another great oh, result.
2: There's got to be a red card in the Arsenal game, surely. What happened? what happened? It's Gordon's. Gordon's tackle not red card. Oh, he's lucky. Anyway, sorry. There was, there was live footage.
1: There was one in the first half, that step on the face. What did you think of that one from Godfrey?
3: you red Cod Yeah Yeah Did you see that one Tommy? No I didn't we, we, I haven't got it uh, here sadly So I've been just uh, On the text Live screen. It? <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's not the same See yeah. we're all
2: out of Australia And we don't get as much action Yeah This <laughs> yeah. <office> is brilliant <laughs>
1: Um Look, that, that just to update everyone, that one still is 1-0 and it's looking pretty gloomy for Everton. One club that it's not looking gloomy for and I feel like they're still flying under the radar. They're only two points out of the top four now with a game in hand, that's Tottenham. And they beat Norwich on the weekend quite comfortably, 3-0. It's now three clean sheets in their last four under Antonio Conte. Thomas, big change for them. Harry Kane isn't the star man. Doesn't matter though. They've got Son stepping up, Lucas stepping up. Are they making the top four?
3: No. I don't think so i, I still think the, I still think the game showed that you know they're, they're playing norwich uh and again they 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 you know even though Norwich didn't have uh, you know a lot of chances they had a lot of possession uh and they they had a, a couple of chances Lloris saved early on when from not, yeah from Pookie. Pookie had two chances uh and they could have got ahead in that but they got the quality. That Lucas Moura goal, uh, one of the best I've seen this season. Just the the link up to start off with, the way he shifts the ball, and and then the strike. Uh, and again, Son showed it late on as well. So they got that quality. I still think they've they've got a fair way to go to to be you know to be you know we're talking about being better than West Ham. You know, we <laughs> we're talking about being better than Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea. And I don't, I can't see it. You know they're they're moving in the right direction but still they're still uh, he's got uh has got a, a least, big big job at there. least we're finally getting shots on goal yes when we're <laughs> not watching we're getting shots on goal and we're keeping yeah.
0: clean
2: sheets yeah that's so important. i'm one very happy man this weekend because yeah. i saw my team had a support win i saw newcastle get their first win of the season And my old team got a late equaliser. So it's just been a a fantastic weekend. I've got to say, football for me.
1: Well, how was St James' Park? It would have been absolutely bouncing. They finally got that win. Is there a sense of positivity now? There was the stat that came out that no team had ever not won by December and still saved themselves. But something feels a little different at Newcastle, right?
2: You're very lucky to get me on the Gagan pod because the box that I was in with my mates from Walsham Boys Club... Uh, it was good to go and see old friends. They nearly handcuffed me to the table and said, our lucky charm is not leaving. <laughs> We're going to leave you in this room until the next home game because they want me there. So it's it was absolutely frightening um, to witness what went on there because the relief when Callum Wilson got that goal, because he still had a lot to do when Pope fundled the ball and we thought that he'd been fouled by Lascelles, Uh He produced a moment of magic and it was absolutely brilliant. So um, that, was, that was the atmosphere just went crazy inside St. James's Park. But the moment for me was the when that final whistle went and Eddie Howe came onto the pitch and they, it was almost like Newcastle had won the FA Cup, they did a lap of honour. You you get to see that in the A League a lot. Teams go after the game and see the fans in the in the Premier League, in most games in Europe, they don't do a lap of honour. These they did and they went to the Gallagher End, they saluted the fans and they got a massive evasion. And I looked at Eddie Howe, you know, and it was almost like he was looking up in disbelief. I'm not taking anything away from what he did at Bournemouth. He was under labor manager to get what he did. But you know, you're know you playing in front of minimum, uh, maximum 20,000 at that ground that he was at. He was at St. James's Park, 55,000, singing his name. And he looked up and thought, I've been out this game for one and a half years. And I, he was pinching himself at where he was at that moment in time to get that first victory. And I think this will galvanise them because that, that was a, a huge win knowing the games that they've got coming up. I think they can get one over Leicester. However, Liverpool, City and United, it's going to be very, very tough. But that was a huge moment um, for for him and the crowd.
1: Yeah, stranger things that happened. It's a good time to get the result. As you said, Leicester away, Liverpool away, City at home and uh, and uh, United at home. And maybe that's yes. where they're going to look to get those results, pinch a few points from the big guys at home. Tommy, from a goalkeeper's point of view, Nick Pope, was he fouled or was that just an error?
3: Oh, uh, I, I think it was an error. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's a, yeah, it's a tough one. Um, but sometimes you ride your luck. It's a tough and...
2: one. He's just got to catch the ball, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a Protected species, yeah,
3: aren't hey, they? Hey, so I, what, I don't know how many times, ta- hey, Bridget, I don't know how many times in my career I've heard that. Just bloody catch the ball. It's, just bloody <laughs> catch it. Actually,
2: <laughs> get paid to catch the ball, man.
3: <laughs> yeah, no. It, 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 oh, it's 1-1, one, one, by the way. 1-1. One, one. Yeah, yeah Ricardson scored. scored, finally. Finally. Ooh. Deserved it. Deserved yeah. it.
2: Sorry, carry on, Tommy. Oh.
3: Yeah, no, I think it was as simple as that. <laughs> <laughs> He's just thrown the whole goalkeepers' union under the bus. It was a pure mistake. Yeah, I <laughs> think so. Go. I think yeah, so.
1: You can't have any yeah. complaints on that one. No. They are a protected species, let's be real. Um, oh, <laughs> Bridgie, Bridgie, Patrick Bamford, back with a goal in the 95th minute. Leeds are in some serious trouble down there, but yeah. is, is, there, is there a sense of positivity there as well? I mean, Brentford are a good side. They came from behind in this one after taking the lead early on. Yeah. What, what needs to change there?
2: I've got to say, the first half, it was um, very dominated by Leeds United. They controlled the game. Um, sadly, lost their captain, Liam Cooper, um, to a hamstring injury. Uh, I've texted him he said he hopes it's not ligament damage, but he definitely felt something go, he said. So that they're just hoping that it's not too bad. Uh, and then they lost Calvin Phillips, second half as well. And as that was happening, Calvin was due to go off, but then they kept him on, and Brentford got the goal. And then it was just for 15, 20 minutes, Brentford controlled the game beautifully. Um, I was trying to work out actually what, 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 they, what they changed and it, it was hard to kind of figure out whether they had changed their system or not but I think Leeds just totally lost their shape and lost their spine with Cooper and Calvin going out of it and then it was Bamford coming on for his first appearance since injury uh, in the last minute of the game and I just remember I was actually sitting with my daughter and son there at the game, the atmosphere had been superb it kind of dulled down, and you could just hear a little bit of negativity coming from the far side of the ground, from where we were sitting. Then there was a bit of an altercation inside the director's box. Can you believe on the far side? And then the the cross corner came in. Bamford gets the goal. He celebrated right in front of us. The stadium went crazy. My son and daughter were just in disbelief at how how amazing the atmosphere and the in the you know what what had gone on in that moment when equalised so late on. And then it came out afterwards. What we realized on the far side of the ground, I think a lot of the directors have been getting a lot of stick from the fans, especially Victor Otter. Now, if you get a chance to have some, have a look at some footage of the director blowing up and having a massive go at the fans, saying, "You, you got to be quiet, shut up. We, we own this club, and we, where we, we got the results." It was, it was very, very heated, um, and I think it's the first time the fans have turned since these guys have been in charge with Andre. Um, and with Victor at the helm so it was, it was, it was, it was a bit toxic I've, I must say, but uh, the result for Leeds, that was a, a huge resolve to get them out of trouble, but they're going to struggle with injuries going forward, unfortunately
1: well, You talk about struggling with injuries and we, we mentioned Newcastle's run, I think Leeds have the yeah. toughest next five games in the Premier League, yeah. Tommy, they go yeah. Chelsea away, City away, Arsenal at home, Liverpool away, Aston yeah. Villa at home Now, Marcelo yeah. Bielsa's six points clear of relegation, but do you think they're going to find themselves in a relegation fight come early next year?
3: Uh, I hope not. Um, you know, again, I think you know the Premier League needs a, a club like Leeds, but it doesn't work that way. And and I think you you have seen a decline. I th- you know they, yeah, they're just not getting the results. Uh, I think probably teams have worked them out a bit. Um, I don't know if the players are getting a bit tired in the system as well. But but yeah, you, you you've just seen gradual weaknesses. Creep in and you know yeah they're conceding too many goals even at at the weekend I, I thought you know just giving away the ball in, in in dangerous areas I think you know Brentford caught them off guard a couple of times and and they got punished you know Brentford scored more or less with their one of their first chances uh, but then the second goal as well so they, there's some worrying signs there but I, I think they'll be good enough to avoid you know I look at at teams at the bottom I, I think they will stay above that relegation zone. Uh, come there's the there's definitely
2: worse teams in that yeah, relegation. Yeah, but I think after this, this spell of games going into Christmas it could be a bit dodgy for them but I think after the Christmas they're going to get some players back they'll get a bit of consistency back and I think that's what they've really missed they've had too many niggles and injuries coming in they haven't been able to have a consistent line-up on a regular basis where they've been able to get some continuity and it, it's really impacted them Um, And like I say, the spine went again, but they they got there in the end because everybody was talking about um, not seeing Tony on the team sheet. Mm. And I was going around and speaking in a few of the the lounges at the ground. The news came through that Tony wasn't on the team sheet and there was a huge cheer went up um, from the Leeds fans because they know how influential that player is. But when we found out it was COVID, um, everybody had kind of got a bit more reality check and thought, oh, we don't want anybody to um, be impacted by that. So it was was a, a strange one an hour before kick-off.
1: Briggy Bielsa is known for having a really intense training schedule and there's been a lot of injuries yeah. now I don't know if that yeah, yeah. is what you can put it to but uh yeah. you mentioned there's there's a bit of distrust now and there's there's a bit of disorder there in the stands with the the owners of the club is there anyone pointing any fingers at Marcelo Bielsa or is he untouchable still
2: I think he's still untouchable Marcelo is definitely still untouchable um what I will say if you have a look at his track record there's you know 2 years 3 years at, at clubs or international and decides to move on, and there's been many reasons for that. The players either get underdone, um, or he's he's gone and done fast, fantastic things, and he needs to move on. And you know, I, I think the Leeds fans were delighted when he he did resign. I know the, listen, I speak to a few of the boys at Leeds United, I don't want to get any of them in trouble, but the the regime and the training schedule is absolutely full on. Mm. Um, they embraced it in the first couple of years because even the wives and girlfriends were commenting how fit the boys were looking <laughs> um, and how lean they had all become under this new regime. So they were delighted. Um, and, you know, players have gone on to play it at a national level, but that regime and that strict regimented kind of style, I don't know how long it can last before you start kind of going... How much more of this can my body take? So um, fingers crossed it can get to, through to the end of this season, and everybody is hunky dory, and you know they stay away from that relegation battle.
1: It's going to be tough. That's the way the prem at the moment. Tommy, yeah. uh, I'm going. To, we're going to park that. We're going to go around Europe a little bit because there's been some storylines popping out. I want to take you to the Italian Serie a where Jose Mourinho lost another big game which is a bit quite rare for him, but he's done it a few times this season, lost at home to Inter, his former club, where he won the treble 3-0. Remarkably, it was Jose Mourinho's second ever loss at home in his entire Serie A career. So that's including his years at Inter Milan. He never actually lost at Inter. Of course, he went on a 150-game run in his career where he never lost at home. And I wanted to ask you, as as a former Stoke City player, which was such a tough place to go, what is it about... That home ground advantage—is it the crowd? Is it the pitch? What? What? What is? Is it all psychological? You've played at clubs that probably weren't that strong at home, and then you've played at Stoke, which everyone knew was so strong at home. What's the difference?
3: Uh, You know, I think if if you if you get that sort of cohesion with the fans, uh, you have certain things that work, and it could be you know the the pitch. You know, at Stoke. uh, Tony Pulis deliberately, the first couple of years in the Premier League, made the pitch as small as the rules would would, would allow it. So it gave us, you know, it gave us a chance to, even against, you know, expansive teams like United, Chelsea, Arsenal, to condense the the play and and use our set plays, uh, you know, use our throw, long throws with Rory DeLap and put a lot of pressure, physical, aerial pressure on, on on a lot of teams and uh, that worked for us and I, and i think you, you just look at what advantage you have in 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 any sort of way to to try to to just you know make it into a for- Tommy, fortress. quarters that, that was your yeah.
2: philosophy that was Pulis' philosophy yeah,
3: yeah and but, his vision
2: but, and you can't take anything away from people this is what this is what really upsets me when i hear oh you know Stoke with this Bolton Wanderers with this under sam Allardyce yeah, that's what they were. Wimbledon were an ugly, horrible team, but it was effective because they worked at it, and you've worked with Tony Pulis at that game plan. So people talk about having a vision, of philosophy, and understanding. It doesn't always have to be beautiful football if it is effective. So Hughes had it. made it a horrible place to go to because you were an ugly, horrible team. I mean, you're not ugly, <laughs> Tommy. I mean, you know, it was an ugly style of football, <laughs> we and you right. had it. You had big. You had big brutes, and he bought big, tall. Six foot three strikers as well as centre halves because that aerial battle was the game plan. And uh, I can't take anything away from that because I hate it going to
3: your place. Yeah, but but that makes it even more impressive. I think with with Mourinho than that that he's only lost you know two home games in the Serie A because you know that's that's, <laughs> that's not long throws uh, for sure. Uh, and uh, I know I know again he you know he had Inter obviously and and uh, you know they they were top side under him as as well and and the top sides tends to be. You know they have that aura, and, and I think in you know in Italy as well, you know, you know the big sides they they get the rub of the green from from some of the refs at, at times as well, especially at home. Ooh. Oh yeah, no, I think I think it's been proven in court, Bridgie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you know, he, again, still impressive though, but he was well beaten in this one. Oh my God, I, it could have been a lot more. I think only Saniolo, I think did did pretty well for for Roma. Uh, but yeah, Jako did did uh, some some damage to his old team, and yeah, they, they were a lot better. Inter for sure.
1: It's interesting you mentioned referees. Actually, I'm gonna get to, I'm gonna get on to where I want to go with this Roma Inter match. But you mentioned referees, and there was the classico on the weekend. Dortmund lost to Bayern, Bayern just continued to win. But Jude Bellingham, young lad british super yeah. future he's got everyone's excited about him there he came out after the game saying that uh, it was questionable to give the game to felix zwire of course who's been banned before for some match fixing accepting bribe allegations once a referee gets done for something like that should they never ref again tommy was that was that a fair call or was that a bit uh, just a bit of salt from jude bellingham
3: you know I, i'm i'm full for if you've served your time i think you deserve another chance and uh yeah, I think he. It sounds like he's under a police investigation now, and and it's a quite serious case when when you when you put out those comments. So it, it's, yeah, it doesn't look good. Uh, it, again, it puts the you know the game into disrepute. Dis- dis- and, and uh, you know there was a lot of things. There was obviously two decisions in that game. Uh, I, I, in my view, a clear penalty for Dortmund that wasn't given, and then. A questionable, but again, probably a penalty with uh, Hummels hit, hitting his hand, and and it decided the game. So you understand the frustration from the Dortmund players, but they gave the game away. I think uh, Mats Hummels had a absolute day to forget. He uh, was involved in, in the two false first goals, and they got caught playing out, and just got punished by by a, a superb Bayern team. And uh, so it, you know, it's a sad sort of after you know after a story for for the game because it was a great game great advertising for german football and for the two best teams and uh yeah sadly Jude Bellingham a young player's got caught up in in yeah in some some horrible stuff and hopefully he'll get a slap over his fingers and and have have to apologize and and they can move on but uh you know you can't you can't put that out there and you can not you know you that, that's not right
1: you got to be careful with well, what you're
2: no. saying well, no referee is going to take this away from Damari Gray. He's just scored an absolute world-class goal in the last minute of the game. Well, there's still four minutes to go for Evan to put them two on up. You've got to get on and watch this, anybody. Damari Gray under- cuts inside chops two players and he's just put it right where the spiders live in the top right corner
1: and he's got a yellow card so I'm seeing here on the live score so I'm assuming shirt yeah, off anywhere <laughs> wild
3: shirt,
2: sh- well the difference is in England now at the moment Claude, if you take your shirt off what you'll find is they've got another shirt underneath yeah. so he did have his under armour garment on to keep him warm bless him yeah,
3: and well, what a signing he's been though like you're looking at the, yeah. was it we 1.5 million at the start of the show. Yeah. yeah. incredible
1: Crazy two one Everton, and that's a very good result. All of a sudden, the the mood—we could pretty much delete the first ten minutes of this podcast. We were smashing them to shreds. Uh, maybe they've they've turned it around. That is a massive result for them. Um, but what I did not over wanna...
2: yet. Three minutes to go. Don't don't jinx it.
1: It's true. I think I've just jinxed them. Let's see what happens. Uh, <laughs> Arsenal did score right at the end of the first half. Can they do it again? Bridgie will keep us posted on that one. I did want to talk about the Serie A in that game because Mourinho lost 3-0 at home. Very rare. But he gave a debut to a young Australian, Christian Volpato, who came in in stoppage time. 18 years of age. And I think everyone's been watching him closely because Mourinho, that, he was one of the few youth players that he brought up to train with the first team earlier this season. What makes his story all the more remarkable is that he actually was released by Sydney FC youth and by Western Sydney Wanderers youth. He was considered surplus to requirements, didn't have what it took to play in the A League, and then through a private academy ended up in Italy. And he signed for Roma, and now this is happening to him. So I wanted to ask you guys this Uh, Should we be celebrating this as Australians that we've got a young lad that's now playing in the Italian Serie A, or is this just a massive issue and something we should be really, really worried about?
2: No, it should be getting praised and it should be getting, um, you know, applauded because. It, it's very arrogant to think that you can only make it if you are part of an elite academy or a so-called elite academy at a professional league club. It's, it, it, it Players make it in all different ways around Europe. You can be playing in a top academy or you can be released from an academy like I was and you've got to go to another academy. As players have found their other way, like Jamie Vardy has found his way from non-league through the divisions that way. Um, I think it's a very, very arrogant approach to think that you can just make it If only if you sign for an A-League academy um, Because there are so many different options There's who you know We all develop at different times in our careers Um, We all take different pathways And the other one for me I'm coaching MPL in Newcastle um, And we've had a player He's just signed for Central Coast Mariners The the left back Is it Farrell? He's -hmm. had a fantastic couple of matches For Central Coast Mariners he he wasn't going through an academy, uh, and he came through uh, an MPL club in Newcastle, and he's gone and got an opportunity, and he's got a, his early career up and running. And there's a big question marks saying, "Oh, well, why wasn't he with an academy?" Well, he, he wasn't. He was playing. He wasn't with an academy playing against kids. He was with an MPL team playing against men. So his education level went higher and got physically stronger. So there is no right or wrong in how you how you're going to go about your business. And I think it should be getting celebrated because of the, the the challenges that he would have faced when he'd gone over there he's rolled his sleeves up he's gone on with it there's no luck involved it's all down to what he's been given opportunity he's taken it and Mourinho's recognised that and I think it's brilliant Tommy he's he's
1: a 10 as well you know no disrespect on left or right backs but it's not like he's gone over there and just uh, plugged the hole out there he's actually a 10 he's a creative midfielder he's been let go he's got that X factor um, he's been linked a lot to a style of play similar to the Francesco Tottis of the past and now the Italian youth teams are looking at him very closely. Of course, he's made his Serie A debut at such a young age. Are we at risk of losing another gem here in Australian football?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think you've got to be on the front foot here. You know, if uh, you know, and I'm hoping that people at the FFA, who's in 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 control of recruitment for for youth internationals, even uh, Graham Arnold and the senior level, you know, you should try to lock him up. You know, if he's interested, it. Uh, He's obviously got big ties with Italy and his family and his roots, uh, and always, uh, by the sounds of it, had a a desire to play in Italy. Um, but he's born and bred in, in in Australia, so you know you 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 got you know these talents you, you got to keep a tap on them and you got to lock them up. So <laughs> I, I would do it pretty quickly. Uh, he seems again if you if you make a debut at Roma, you, you know at that age you, you you have something in the bag and. Uh, you know, he's he's as Bridgie said, taking his chance. He got spotted, scored a hat trick in in a trial match, and I think he's he's even man- managed by Francesco Totti. I think, or oh, he's at least um, in 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 sort of helping him out uh, with his career path. And, um, My God, you know, what a mentor that is! Mm. Yeah, so it, it speaks it speaks a lot for him. You know, he, he wouldn't take yeah. anyone. He, he's got a, you know, a, anyone would love that opportunity. So. Again, I, I would be uh, on my front foot if I was the Australian FFA and, and, and make sure that he gets involved, that you, you keep taps on him, and you give him a ring. Yeah, at least, uh, at, ke- at least keep the phone line warm for sure.
2: Do you know what I respect about Christian as well? There's so many players that I see when they get released from one club. I was released at Newcastle United. I was released at Middlesbrough. I was told I wasn't good enough. I kept trying. I wanted that dream and I followed it and I wanted to prove people wrong. So I kind of used the negativity to try and turn it into a positive and use that as my inspiration to prove a point. And I've done that through me injuries as my injuries as well. I've got a really, really... A, a a good mindset to be able to do that, and that's what Christian has got. He's what released from one one club in uh, Sydney.
1: Both, both and, Sydney FC and Wanderers.
2: And Wanderers, mm. a lot of players would have gone. Do you know what it is? This is this is not for me. I, I'm you know, and put the boots down, or they would have go, been happy going back and, and playing at lesser, rather than challenging himself. And he's taken the challenge. Now, that that is a massive strength and a mindset. And um, obviously, if you're gonna go and do the hard yards, and you can you can. Um, you can absorb um, setbacks and turn them and make them um, into positives. He's, he's done that, and I, I'm all for that.
1: Bridget, you, you are a, a first-grade coach at NPL level at the moment, and yeah. we know that there is a curriculum in place and that there is quite it's quite strict on the, the type of players, the, the type of formations they want you to play. Yeah. He's such a creative-minded 10. Maybe yeah. doesn't necessarily... F- put in the hard yards as much or might not be the most stock standard player but when he gets the ball he can create something yep. from nothing does our system and our curriculum kill these players that don't fit this cookie cutter system
2: the curriculum kind of y- yes and no because it depends it's up to the coach as well the curriculum's there for a reason the curriculum is there to set out a structure of how you do your session planning okay. you know starting with a passing session then into a possession game doing your game training your management and, and set plays and things like that gives you a structure. And they basically say the 4-3-3 is a system to play. And these are the type of players you need in the possession. But that doesn't mean that you've got to do that to the letter of the law. These are just an imprint. And a lot of coaches at youth level I've seen in Australia think that this is the only way and we must play the 4-3-3. We must pass the ball a million times at the back. And it's all about possession. No, it's possession in the right areas. So this is where there's a kind of a breakdown between... It's not that... People say, oh, they're brainwashing us to play this. They're not. They're, they're giving you the blueprint and how to do things right and how they would like to see it done. But at the end of the day, you're a coach. You've got to have your own ideas. You've got to have your own stuff. And the biggest thing that annoys the hell out of me is when I see robots playing in Australia. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm a, if I'm a coach and I'm a scout from a club, I always tell the kids, and if there's any kids listening or parents listening, what are you going to do if I am a scout at your game to make me get excited, or you're going to do something different to all them other players. That is the only way you are going to get spotted. If yeah. you're the same as the person next to you, you're going nowhere. Mm. So do something in the game that is going to get me excited, or I'm going to see something that I'm going to go in and say, "I remember that name."
3: Mm. Yeah, but if I can just like come to defence of, of some of the you know the, the development, and you can't just sit here and, and blame you know Sydney FC and, and Western Sydney Wanderers because it, it's also tough for them. You know you, you've got. And I think tapping into what you said earlier, Bridgie is is apparently he he had a growth growth spurt late on, you know, and yeah. and and they've got a, a talent pool of twenty players. If you don't stand out at that time, you know, you 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 are going to let go. I was I was heavily involved with with Melbourne City and their talent end up and. Uh, and some of the players that I even thought were, were, were going to struggle to make it, uh Conor Metcalf, uh, for example, because he was a tiny little lad at the time. You know, he, he just couldn't break through. And, and look at where he is now. You know, he's he's a dominant player for for, for Melbourne City. So, you know, given time, given the opportunity. Um, you you know, and if you are good enough and the right m- mental attitude, you, you, will, uh, you will you will eventually get there. It might not be at that club; yeah. it'll be at somewhere else. And 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 uh, you know, that's what what's happened with with uh, Christian. In, you know, he's done it in, in Italy, in and not at adm- yeah yeah. It's just taking his time. You know, he's just uh, mm-hmm. had to wait for that opportunity.
2: Deve- development is a big thing as well. We forget we go through puberty. And yeah. puberty can start at the age of 12, So you can start at the age of sixteen. I was, I was a very late developer, and I don't mind talking about this. I, I, I was started puberty at the age of fifteen and a half. I was a very, very late developer, and then I started shooting away, and I started filling out and things like that. But before that, I, I lost two clubs, saying, "Oh, he's too weak, he's too slight," and it really went against us. But I thought, you know what it is? I, I, it, like you can't say. That you're never going to make it at a certain age, because, like Tommy says, it's all it's all about st- as long as you can keep that mindset to stick with it and keep going um yeah you, there's always going to be an opportunity you,
1: you know how I know he's a serial footballer now let's let me show you something. I had a look at his Instagram. Right. This is him when he rocked up at Roma, just like, you know, a young Aussie footballer, quite humble, is rocking the tracksuit, taking a photo next to the logo. But this is how I know when someone's become a top youth footballer now. Let me see if I can get this photo for you guys. We've got the Fendi jumper. Oh. We've got <laughs> the Balenciaga <laughs> shoes. The ripped jeans. We've got the Louis Vuitton uh, toiletries what? bag,
2: wash bag. That's uh, Man, what? If, you've, if you've got a Louis Vuitton wash bag, you've made it. There's no, <laughs> no doubt about it.
3: Why are you taking your toothbrush everywhere you go, you footballers? What's the point? Oh, it's a fashion statement. I think. I think uh, <laughs> it's a great accessory, isn't it? <laughs> but I, I must. Say, I must say, I've heard from a lot of players in in Italy. If you don't come into the dressing room immaculate <laughs> you get you get shoved back out of the door I, I've heard because I, I had some Danish national teammates and they some of them got hammered because they one day just came in track suits and stuff and they got picked on because they they come in their suits and their <laughs> you know their styler their designer styling clothes and, and all sorts so it's a different environment it's not Aussie uh, it's not just uh, flip-flops so, and, and shorts.
2: <laughs> Claude, you could you could play over there, my friend. You've got all that designer gear. You look oh, He, he would fit right
3: in, Bridget. He would fit right that,
2: in. That is why I, I, I got loads of approaches from Serie A clubs to go and sign for them. And I said, I can't handle it, man. My dress sense is shit. I can't yeah. do this. It was all about the clothes. <laughs> oh, God.
1: Well, uh, good luck to him either way. And yeah, you got you to rock it. You got to fit in. As Tommy said, it is Italy. It's the fashion capital of the world, so I don't blame him. But uh, you could just tell. You could tell a clear, a clear change in the fashion sense once he got his first grade debut and once he started training with the top team. But enjoy that. We'll be following him very closely, guys. To wrap up our little trip around Europe, I want to get you a quick word. Over in the Spanish La Liga, Xavi with Barcelona. Losers. Another tough result for Barca as they slip further and further away. They're now closer to the relegation zone than they are to the title. Uh, It was a 1-0 loss at home to Real Betis. What have we made of them? And he's got a massive job on his hands, Tom.
3: Yeah, he has. Uh, Again, it's a rebuild. He's got a, you know, again, around some of the young players. uh, I think Gabby had a a bit of an accident in the game and got taken off with a with, I think, concussion. Um, and they should have won the game. I, I think he made some of the right choices. He put De- Dembele on late on, and I think he made a massive impact. And, and they, should have, they should have won the game. And, and mm. you know, Betis, again, it was a smash and grab, and they, they got the win. Uh, and it's obviously frustrating, but th- th- this is a, not a, a, a two-week fix. You know, th- this is going to take a long time. He's got to go through a couple of transfer windows. He's got to sort out the dressing room and, and get rid of the players he doesn't want. So, again... You know, I, I'm not going to put too much on it. You know, he, is he the right or wrong man? I think you've got to give him at least one year to to put his stamp on things and, and his culture. I think he's. It sounds like he's big on, you know, the the Barcelona culture, and that's what he's going to try to bring back.
1: Mm, no no, no Fendi jumpers and Balenciaga shoes I don't think <laughs> under Xavi from what I've heard uh, Christian Valpato wouldn't do too well there they got a massive game, they have to beat Bayern Munich in Munich if there's any chance of staying in the Champions League as well which is a, a tough ask Gentlemen, as we start to wrap up the Gagan pod you guys are overseas, living the life while I'm stuck here uh, Bridgie, any big games coming up this weekend that you'll be at?
2: Um, do you want to know what it is? I'm I'm actually heading off to t- tomorrow night. I'm going to go and watch Sunderland take on Forest. G- uh, sorry, Morecambe. I've got that one to go to. I'm having a day a, a little chill on the weekend. It's um, I'm going to see one of my old colleagues, Paul Thurwell, who Tommy played with. He's the assistant manager down at um, Harrogate Town, so I'm going to go and watch them. So I'm saving myself because the week after it's um, it's all about Manchester, Newcastle and Manchester City and Leeds and Arsenal, so I've got a few good ones coming up, but I'm just trying to go through the divisions to see everybody. And I'll tell you what, there's been an unbelievable FA Cup draw for your boys today. Chelsea have got Chesterfield, who are in non-league football now, and I've just had a text message off my mate Johnny Old who is the owner of Peninsula Power in Brisbane. He's a sponsor of Chesterfield. He flies over from Australia to watch Chesterfield. And he's just sent me a text message saying, tell your mate Claude who supports Chelsea. I'm coming from, we're gunning from, and it's going to be the biggest shock of the FA Cup. So there you go.
1: <laughs> I absolutely love it. I love it. Good yeah. on him. Was, was Chesterfield the club that was recently in the news for the, the, the Paul Scholes celebration?
2: Uh, I th- yeah I think it was it yes, was right? I do believe it was yes <laughs> yes. did you it, just uh, say bl- mate, bless this guy though he's, he's flew over it was so funny he's flown over five times right to watch Chesterfield and he hasn't seen a goal yet can you believe so he's, <laughs> oh, he's hoping once Covid is over he can go back and see a goal because they're having a good season oh. makes, me, makes me cry
3: yeah be tough against Chelsea Tommy much on for the week for you you know, I we, we're talking about going to Hamburg actually for the weekend, and I, I'm uh, I've had a look at a schedule. I think Hamburg, second Bundesliga, they've got a home game. Uh, I would love to go to the Fals Park Stadium and uh, you know have a have a look at uh, a bit of football because it's been taken away from me the UK and uh, going up to see Leicester, and Newcastle. So uh, it would be good to see a bit of German football actually. So uh, take the family to a game there. That's my uh, that's my goal off for the to weekend. Have a hamburger. <laughs>
1: You're just going to have a hamburger, is that what you're saying?
2: I'm just going to have a hamburger now, boys. That'll be my supper. Fair play, um, Tommy. you what, you got, can, got you me
1: can check.
3: He's...
2: Go on.
1: You can check if um, Sam Paoli are playing at home as well, because that's another no, team we Hamburg. Not. Of course, I
3: would. I they're would to go to to the Milan tour. Yeah, they're they're yeah. crazy there. So sadly, they're playing away. I would already looked into it. <laughs>
1: yeah, you're all over it. Top of the league and Jackson Irvine as well playing there as well. One of our yeah. Aussies. So good to see. But Hamburg, I still can't believe that they're in the second tier, gents. You are, your weeks are far more exciting than mine. I'll be here in the Optus Sports Studios doing my match previews on my own because Bridgie's left me. Uh, probably won't be as interesting, but at least uh, it's a better looking panel now without Bridgie. So, gentlemen. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. Have a fantastic week. I know it's past your bedtime, boys. I'll let you go to sleep and uh, and kick on with your week. Thanks for joining us. As always, if you want to catch any of the latest news, highlights, anything you need to know from the world of football, make sure you check out the Optus Sport app, and you can catch myself, Thomas Bridgie, hopefully Schwartzy, if he decides to turn up next week on The Gagin